It's Candace Sampson, and you're listening to What She Said at 105.9 The Region. And as always, I've brought in the lovely Amber to join me. I, I like surprising you with what I, we're going to talk about. You do. Now it's getting fun. <laughs> Look at my hand. What is it today? <laughs> Actually, today I want to talk to you about a story in Ottawa okay. that came out. Did you hear about the man who said he burned a million dollars so his ex-wife wouldn't get it? No, but I can see it happening. So this man uh, went to court uh, and he told the judge that he burned a million dollars so that his ex-wife wouldn't get it. He would rather see it burned than his ex-wife get any of this money. Of course. Of course. (laughs) This is a whole new level of insanity. So the judge, the judge wasn't buying it. The judge said, do you have a videotape? Oh, I like this judge. Right? Do you have any photographic evidence? I love this judge. Right? And the guy said, no. And he said, well, I don't believe you. So he threw him in jail for 30 days. Because he, he, he was, was he previously ordered to pay? Oh, yeah. Like he's, yeah. (gasps) Like he has not been paying child or spousal support for, oh, I don't know, a very long time. He's been avoiding it, right? He's a bad guy. Right. So the judge put him in jail for 30 days. And on top of that, he said to the guy, okay, so here's the other thing. Uh, I'm going to fine you $2,000 a day payable to your ex-wife for every day you're in jail while you sit and think about it. This is not child support. This is not spousal support. This is above and beyond. I love this judge. Yeah, I think I think women are going to be lining up around the courthouse in Ottawa hoping for this judgment. Right. Now, but what if he doesn't have the money to pay her? Well, the after judge he's burned it. So the judge, well, the judge said, mm. you know, you better come back to this court with some honest answers in 30 days. Huh. So do you think he really burnt it or That's the question. I want to know. Do you think he burnt it? Like so I think mm. I think no. I think no. Yeah, he said he he burned it with two bonfires. I I think don't think nobody's going to burn a million dollars. Who could burn a million dollars when you can keep it for yourself and hide it in some kind of offshore account? Right. I and- don't believe him. I don't either. But I so still love the judge. We're going to throw it up on the Facebook page and we're going to see what people think if he really built, if he really burnt a million dollars. Also, but I want to follow this case and see what happens you follow in it. 30 you days. Tell me, oh, yeah. Because I want to know about this. Because it's exciting, right? It's like not exciting, but it's, uh, yeah. It's interesting. It is very interesting. Okay. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. Yes. Because that's the kind we're of on it. we are. We are on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on the show today Jesus, Justice, and a side of jazz hands. I love that. <laughs> what are you bringing me this week? A side of jazz hands. We have Reverend Daniel Breton on, who is a gay Anglican priest with a massive Twitter following. I love him. 41,000 followers on Twitter. Wow. So he's, you know, he's he's preaching in church and on the Twitter. And I love that. And he's that. so great. He is so great. So That's we a just had a, we had a really great conversation with him about the church, um, how he dealt with, you know, being a gay man in the church, a married gay man in the church. Uh, so lots of great conversation there. Uh, we have a chat with uh, LinkedIn expert Leslie Hughes. Are okay. you on LinkedIn? I am. Good, because I it's am. a very, I think it's one of the most underestimated social platforms out there. That's how I got my job here. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes, for sure. Oh, I love that. Okay, we also have Francine Dick joining us to talk about the difference between RRSPs and TFSAs. Okay. So there is there yeah. is a difference, and I have heard that TFSAs are perhaps better. I I don't know. I think it depends on which circumstance you're investing in them. So we're going to find out today. Uh, Film critic Ann Brody is here to tell, you know, she's a bit of a goddess. Oh, she's around here. She's totally a goddess. We are are bowing down to Ann today uh, because she predicted Parasite was going to win. She's smart. Yeah. She is smart. Yep. She really is. I didn't pick them in the pool. No. Who'd you pick? 1917. Like. All the other award shows. And I even thought to myself, you know what? The Oscars might just throw us a curve. You should really pick Parasite. No, we're just going to trust in Anne from now on. She's she's it. We also have a live studio session uh, with Ava uh, Skacia from the girl group band Girl Power. Girl Power? I'm all uh, over it. They're up for a Juno. And they're from Vaughn. Oh, perfect. Right? That's Can amazing. I pick them? Can I pick them in my... <laughs> In my my is next there a poll, Juno, a yeah. Juno is there Juno? There's got to be a Juno. <gasps> you mean yes, a, yeah, a we're going to make it happen. All right, so be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, uh, and we also have a podcast on Apple and Spotify. People can subscribe; it's free. My favorite F word, and uh, just search What She Said, hit subscribe, and listen on the go. Yay! I love it. You bring me some good stuff. Keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get... A a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Yeah, 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 what if God was one of us? Just a flaw like one of us. Just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way. Jesus, justice, and a side of jazz hands. Joining me now in studio is Reverend Daniel Barretton, who is a gay Anglican priest and is actively involved in advocating for the equality of the LGBTQ community and their marriages within the Canadian church. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I found you on Twitter, mm-hmm. of all places. That's where most people find me these days. And I absolutely... That's where my husband has to be looked to find me, actually. <laughs> I fell in love with your tweets. I thought, I have to have you on the show because I want to know more. Uh, so you are currently uh, the incumbent of the parish of St. John the Baptist in Mississauga. Correct. Okay. So tell me, what is the official stance of the Anglican Church right now when it comes to gay marriage? 
it it depends on the diocese you're in. Um, so uh, nationally, the church had a vote uh, this past year uh, t- whether they were going to um, because marriage falls under the jurisdiction of the national church, uh, and whether they were going to change the definition of marriage from one man one woman. Uh, it did not pass uh, because uh, uh, there weren't enough bishops in favor of it. So uh, nationally, the me- the message went out from the national church that Anglicans reject same-sex marriage. But the reality is, is the majority of, of clergy and congregations within the Anglican Church of Canada actually want to move towards some kind of acceptance and and allowing for, for marriages of gay people. So right now, uh, bishops within individual dioceses have the right to sort of make those choices and how they're going to do that. So it will differ from church to church or uh, I would say sort of region to region. But but yes, I mean, individual congreg- some individual congregations will be more open than others. Right. Um, so it's, it's really hard to sort of say what is the stance of the church because it kind of depends on where you are, who you're talking to. But overall, the church is moving towards the ex- some kind of acceptance of, of same-sex marriage. Okay, so you were ordained 22 years ago, yes, which would have still been quite a tense time to be uh, to be gay, openly mm-hmm. gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you always openly gay uh, within the church, or? Uh, n- no, I came out in seminary um, when I was uh, studying to to get ordained. Um, I found a lot of support uh, amongst my um, my colleagues, my uh, other students and professors, and and people within the church. Um, but at the time, I, I the church was not openly accepting, and I I wasn't expecting it to become so. At least not in my lifetime. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought the best I could do is find a church where. You know, I it's a don't ask, don't tell situation. Um, they'll know, but they won't ask. And I'll know they know, but I won't tell. And we'll all just agree not to talk about <laughs> it. And the church has thankfully decided to talk about it. Right. And yeah. so you, in your church in particular, mm-hmm. uh, you were married mm-hmm. and then you came out to your congregation. Uh, congregation. Yeah. So yeah. what was that like? Um It was, it was difficult. Uh, it, I, what surprised me at the time was how how scary it was to come out because I, I thought of myself as someone who was already out and I'd done, you know, what I've realized, I think most gay people realize this is you don't come out once you, it's a constant, you're constantly coming out. And every time you think you're out, there's, you have to come out again. And, um, and you know, the majority of the people in the congregation were either supportive or were willing to kind of keep walking with me and see how they felt about this. Um, uh, some people, left um uh some people uh, there's still people there that that love me and love and love my husband and get along with us well but i know that they still struggle with um you know everything from we just think it's wrong to we think it's fine but you we shouldn't call your relationship marriage it's something different so there's a whole diversity of opinions there but but the community continues to to travel together. And you're open to discussing those questions with them, though, right? If they come to you with these questions? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the only way to move people on on their feelings about that is if they feel that they can actually talk to a person and get to know the life behind the issue so that it's not just it doesn't remain just an, uh, an academic or theological issue. You're talking about people. 
Right. So you're you have a huge social media following though. Mm-hmm. You have forty one thousand followers on Twitter. So how forty point four. I'm hoping for forty one thousand. Okay, we're, we're we're gonna get you, everybody go follow. But I'm, but I'm not paying any attention to my numbers. <laughs> well, you have more followers than me. <laughs> well, let's change that Twitter. If you follow me at Rev Daniel, please follow Candace. <laughs> so how do you reconcile? Church Daniel mm. with Twitter Daniel because mm. you seem on Twitter um, very open about your life. Mm-hmm. You're you're fun. You're a little bit goofy. Mm-hmm. You're very serious sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, it seems like Twitter is sort of all of Daniel, mm-hmm. and uh, then I feel like your Church Daniel must be very uh, more a little more proper, maybe a little more reserved. Is that true, or am I imagining this? It, if my congregation is listening to this right now, they're laughing hysterically because no, I'm not. There's nothing proper about me right. at my church. I mean, I, I think you you have to know what the bound like what the the boundaries are, and and you know there is an expectation of me as the leader and as the priest. Um, so you know, I, I wouldn't say that I don't. I don't filter things, but I try to be my authentic self, whether I'm in in church or on Twitter. So you get the same person. On Twitter, I can talk about whatever I want. In church, it's more, you know, what are the readings about today? What is my sermon about? What is this, you know, who am I actually speaking to? Because I think you have to know your audience. And the fact of the matter is, is that most of my congregation isn't on Twitter. So those aren't the people I'm talking to there. So on Twitter, um, you're still... Speaking about Jesus and the Bible, but you are, you're drawing you're drawing an audience in that wants to know maybe they're gay and they are yep. not finding acceptance in their church. Yep. So you must deal with a lot of uh, private messages from people with yeah. questions. Yeah. So does that take up a lot of your time? Uh, it does, and I've had to I've had to learn what what my boundaries are there because you know you you can get overwhelmed and and I. You know, I'm somebody that I want to help somebody, and and it, it kills me if if I know that someone has reached out and and they're they're suffering in some way or they have a question, and I haven't gotten back to them. You know, um, it's you know sometimes a week before I get back to them, and it and every night I go to bed thinking that person is waiting for me to get back to them. Um, so I do make time to try and get back to people and help as I can. But yeah, I mean, the the larger your following gets, the more people have access to you, and it it can be emotionally draining and psychologically overwhelming to have right, so many people. Suddenly you've gone from tending to a flock in a building yeah. to tending to a flock yeah. all over the globe, really. Yeah, and, and you don't have the same kind of relationship with right. those people, right? You only know certain things about them. Um, so it, it's a different kind of relationship, but I've I've learned that, you know, when people sort of say online isn't real community, I've learned that that's not true. It's not true. It isn't. It, it's different, mm-hmm. um, but it is real community. And for some people, it's it's the only community they have or the only way that they can access people to talk about certain things and thank god that it exists um mm-hmm. but yeah I mean, no pun I, intended no pun intended well, <laughs> you know, maybe it's not a pun you know maybe this is part of the grand plan i don't know god's up there with a twitter yeah, account exactly. god does have a twitter account but i don't think it's you know <laughs> i follow several accounts for for jesus i don't know oh, but, you, uh, but you don't follow god uh I'm going to share later with okay, you. Okay, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell me where God's Twitter account is. Well, how ironic is that? <laughs> so I guess, you know, you've got all these followers on Twitter. You must deal with a lot of hate being thrown at you as well. Yes. Because trolls, as much as, as Twitter creates a community, mm-hmm. uh-huh. it also tends to draw in 
a lot of trolls. So yes. do you spend a lot of your time blocking, um, reporting? Um, I, I do. I do more now. I, I used to. And I think this is, you know, this was the Christian like, oh, I need to I need to love my enemies. I need to reach out and see if we can build a bridge. <laughs> and, and what you realize is a lot of the trolls, they're not interested in that. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. if they were, they wouldn't be starting off with a tweet that's full of hate. Um, and, and so that's not that's not where I want to direct my energy. Um, I have had those experiences where someone comes at me with something quite negative and then we're able to have a conversation and it actually goes somewhere. Um, but those are few and far between. I, I just think it's better to just block and not have to deal with that kind of toxicity. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not just me. It's also the people following me that see that. And if they're already feeling that kind of hate, they don't need to see more of it. It raises the, the level of anxiety. Yeah. And it also creates that, you know, we're, we're human. So, you know, when you see, you know, like if I see Kim Kardashian fighting with somebody on Twitter, I immediately <laughs> go who is Kim beefing with? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> right? So, yeah. you know, you create that, everybody's eyes on it. So yeah. you don't want to do that in this instance, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, I always joke that I tell people at the end of every segment where to follow me on social media. So right. do you do that at the end of a sermon? Don't uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, the, most of my congregation isn't on social media, so it'd be, it'd be useless. But uh, I'm happy to share that with your okay, followers. Okay, so we're going to tell my followers. If they want to follow you on Twitter, where do they follow you? At Rev Daniel. Okay, and if they want to follow you on Instagram? Daniel D. Brereton. And you have the best Dolly Parton challenge up on your Instagram feed, by the way. Well, there you go. My <laughs> favorite, favorite picture. was That was the best thing to see last night before we came in for this interview. Thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure Nobody meeting you. Except for the Pope may be in Be a part of the 2020 Yellow Brick House Gala on Friday, March 6th at La Park Banquet Hall Markham. Live music, fantastic food, and live and silent auction with Lane the Auctionista and Dee and the Groove Factory. Be a part of our 15th annual gala as we will honor the women and children who have shown the courage and bravery to rebuild their lives. Yellow Brick House provides life-saving support services and prevention programs to individuals, families, and communities impacted by violence. Learn more, buy your tables and tickets, or sponsor the event at yellowbrickhouse.org today. Hi, my name is Clovis Grant and I'm the CEO for 360 Kids. On March 5th, myself and other members of our community will be spending the night outside learning about the life of our homeless youth. The 360 Experience is a life-changing event that gives you a real scenario faced by our homeless youth. It will open your eyes to the harsh realities youth face when they don't have a home to go to. Your donation and support will go a long way to help me help them. For more information, go to 360kids.ca. now is Francine Dick. She's been a certified financial planner for more than 20 years and is here today to talk about RSPs and TFSAs. Welcome back to the show, Francine. Well, thank you so much for having me on again. You know, we talked a little bit before the show and I really love your story of how you sort of landed in this space. So tell me a little bit about that before we get to the 
So, yes, yeah, so this was a midlife career switch. So I was actually a photographer for 20 years with my ex-husband. And I think once the marriage ended, uh, a personal change led me to seek a professional change. I had certain limitations. I was a single mother, sole support of three young children. So I couldn't go back to university for three years or I wasn't able to take any jobs that involved travel. I kept my eyes open and I saw a posting once for a job in financial and insurance services and um, that appealed to me because I really enjoy helping people and so I looked for it and that's how it all started. So in particular, you like to help women, right? Right. It sort of grew organically, I think because of everything that I've gone through in my life, the struggles I've had. I have a lot of empathy and I'm extremely non-judgmental. And I understand where people are coming from, that often they're struggling. It's not frivolous expenses, um, you know, mortgages, mm -hmm. rent, groceries. <laughs> groceries, daycare. So I understand and I don't uh, pass judgment on people. I just try to help them. I think women like that I'm patient, that I am understanding, and that I listen to them and they feel comfortable asking me questions, which is really important as well. Yeah, and I think because, you know, people, people, money is a, is a sensitive subject for all of us, right? Especially if we feel we haven't been maybe doing it right. Right. So it's good to be able to talk to somebody who understands and certainly can be empathetic. Yes, right? absolutely. So we are in um, prime time sort of for those RSPs, right? And absolutely. TFSAs. So you're here today. You're going to tell us what's the difference between an RSP and a TFSA. So a registered retirement savings plan and a tax-free savings account. They're both government programs and they were set up by the government to help Canadians save. So with an RSP, which is older, it, you get an immediate tax deduction on it. So let's say you're making an income of $60,000 and you contribute $5,000 to your RRSP. What it assumes is that your income is now $55,000. So you get uh, a tax rebate. It could be $2,000 or so. And either you pay less tax if you're self-employed or you get a tax refund in the spring. And people just love those tax refunds. They really look forward to them. It's like, they, it's like found money, but it's your found money. <laughs> exactly. You've just given the government a loan, an uh, interest-free loan for a year. But regardless, I mean, it's still a great way to save. The thing to remember is that with an RRSP, it's tax deferred. It's not tax free. So the money within the plan grows and you don't pay tax on the growth. Uh, but at some point, you have to take the money out. Right now, at age 71, you change it to a uh, registered retirement income fund. And at 72, you have to take the money out a certain percentage, whether you need it or not. And at that point, you pay tax on it. Okay. So with a tax-free savings account, it is genuinely tax-free. You invest money in it, and you don't get that tax deduction. You do with an RSP. The money does grow tax-free, and you can take the money out anytime you want, and you don't pay tax on it. So you put the money in, but you don't get a tax break on the money you put in. Exactly. Okay. Okay. But then you can take the money out. And you don't get taxed. Right. 
Okay. So what is the what is the benefit then of so is it better to be RSP TFSA does it depend what your goals are uh right so it really that's uh, a question that I'm asked a lot so I can sit here and I can or with clients and I can do graphs and analysis and strategies the thinking is often that if you think you're going to be in a higher tax bracket in retirement, or if you're in a very low income bracket now, then a tax-free savings account makes more sense. Most people will be in a lower tax bracket when they retire. This is generally their peak earning year. So then an RRSP makes sense because you get the tax break. Um, I like RRSPs for really the psychological reason, because people look at it as a retirement savings account. Uh, unless you're really, really good and disciplined at savings, having an RSP, this is for my retirement. And especially now that people don't have those great pension plans uh, that they used to have. So you really need to save something for the future. So people won't touch an RRSP. It's for the retirement. Tax-free savings account, even if it is meant for retirement, it's a savings account. So, you know, we're getting more snow this week. The temperature's getting really cold. It's only the middle of February. Well, I don't have to Mexico's go. Mexico's looking really good right it, now. <laughs> it is. It is. And I don't have to go into debt because I have this money in my tax-free savings account. So people will take it out of there. So, you know, if you can have both, that's great. So there's almost needs to be a, almost a level of discipline with a TFSA uh, that you don't, well, I guess you have to have a discipline with both, but it seems like it's easier to withdraw from the TFSA. Well, it is because you don't pay tax on it. With an RSP, if you really wanted to go in and take that money out for your Mexican vacation, you would pay tax on it right. if you withdraw it. Uh, so, yeah, it's easier. That's why it's great to have a financial planner because uh, if you have money invested, they might have to call me up and say they need the money and we could have a little conversation about it. So do you have like these, you know, okay, we need to talk moments, like, you know, these very real moments with women where you say, okay, you, you're going to have to forego the vacation this year, you know? Well, yeah, and it's not that I don't tell them what they have to do, but I just point out, I say, okay, you know, if you want to take this money out for your Mexican vacation or whatever it is, that's fine. But, you know, we've done a financial plan and you need to be saving this amount of money so that you can retire in comfort. Or if they're retired in taking out too much money, um, I can say, look, you know, that money is going to deplete faster than what we showed on the plan. Do you specialize in helping older women specifically? Um, uh, yes, um, that's sort of my market, generally 50 plus, and women who tend to be navigating change, so they may be preparing for retirement, uh, maybe they sold their home, or received an inheritance, or they got a severance package at work. Um, I find a lot of older women are leaving the corporate world and starting their own businesses. Mm -hmm. So yeah, women who are navigating change in their lives. Right, and are looking to sort of reset their financial goals and maybe set a few new ones. Exactly. Right. 
Okay, so where can people find you? So they can find uh, me through my website, which is askfrancine.ca. And can they literally ask you anything? They can ask me anything, and they can book an appointment or um, schedule a call through there. Okay, so you have an office uh, that you operate out of? Yes, I have an office, um, which is out in Mississauga. Most of my clientele is in Toronto, so I'm happy to visit people in their home or office or or um, get a co-working space where I can get an office there. Okay. So pretty and, flexible. And are you on any social channels that we should know about? I am. I have a LinkedIn profile, and I'm also on Facebook. Oh, wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us, Francine. I hope we'll see you again soon. Well, thank you for having me. I'd love to come back and always things to talk what about. What are you going to tell us about next? Um... Uh, vacation planning? How about uh, that, maybe? I, that's right up my alley. I love okay. it. Okay. okay, before the summer comes. Yeah. All right, excellent. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. My pleasure. It's a rich man's world. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say, be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Saturday night at the movies is the ever lovely Anne Brody, who I, you know, I'm never going to doubt your opinion again. Please don't. I'm not going to. You called it on Parasite. Do you know that Christine and Kate didn't even see it all those months? I haven't seen it. Well, they finally saw it. Kate had a problem with the story arc, which I don't know. <laughs> so now it's your turn. You have. To I see will it. watch it. I'm. Conv- and I'm never going to do not listen to you again. Thank you. Okay. Someone believes. <laughs> I don't know about. Phil and Alex, but yeah, we, Alex we'll, does. We'll have to work on them. Yes, we're in, we're in on The Stranger on Netflix, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about um, romance. Yeah. So Valentine's a totally made-up holiday so that yes. they could sell. They had mass printing in Victoria time, Victorian times so they could sell Victorian oh, cards. Oh, is that? Oh, is like that Like happy right. Valentine's cards. Gotcha, okay. So that's how it all started, and that it morphed into what it is today, which was the jewelers, uh, probably Swiss chalet, who the hell knows? Everybody <laughs> roses, roses. Like everybody has their hands in Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. so it's it's not really about it's not an intimate celebration. It's <laughs> no. a marketing ploy, right? So we're talking about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This is incredible. Uh, Celine Sciamma's film is about it's set in 18th century Brittany, and an artist who's female, quite unusual is sent to a a manor home on the seaside. And her job is to paint a portrait of the girl there who's just left the convent and come home, and she's about to be married off. So she wants to do the portrait without the woman knowing. So there's a truer result, more authentic result, 
Okay. So the two of them hang out. They're on the beach a lot. It's almost wordless, quite a bit of it. Um, and she has to constantly look at her from different angles and memorize them. And this look becomes connection, becomes love. So it it's about... And this um, is a YouTube... No, no, no. It's not. No, it's in theaters. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in theaters. And uh, um, it's had a lot of awards all over the place. Excellent. Um, very, very good. A little slow, but the the sea and the women and the speaking. And a little a final slow, you kind, you kind of lost me a little slow. Cause well, I no, think no, I would just go power through, power through. <laughs> the last scene. Okay, worth it. I, I'm sp- I just can't. It, it's just so good. Excellent. Okay, so we're talking about Netflix's The Stranger. Yes, yes, and Alex has now seen it, and he has to <laughs> fill me in on the end of it. But what a concept. So Richard Armitage, do you remember him? He was a big sort of hot tamale about 10 years ago, and okay. I really haven't seen that much of him since. But um, an English actor, he plays a husband and father who's approached out of the blue by a woman in a baseball cap, and she says, do you know that your wife faked her pregnancy and miscarriage so that you wouldn't leave her? And he goes, what? And he's really offended, and he runs away, and she chases after him, and um, he confronts her. So he does a really deep dive online and finds out that it's absolutely true. Oh, wow. Then he goes to Jennifer... Saunders from Abfa, I love her, and tells her that her daughter is in the sex trade when she should be at Oxford University studying, where she's doing both. So this woman is creating chaos. She comes from nowhere. She's she's like a magical character, and these it, she transforms these people's lives. And then there's a, a boy, a young boy, is found poisoned in the woods. Uh, there's a headless llama. It's just the most insane thing, but it all it, it makes sense, and it's so compelling. It's well-written, well-acted, and Alex, you'll have to tell me the rest of it because I'm on to the next thing. <laughs> okay, so this is Netflix. Yes, Okay, Britbox. Britbox. Okay, first of all, we'll talk about some of the love movies, but I must say that one of my favorite series of all time is being introduced is coming back to television starting from season one i think it's 10 seasons altogether mi5 or also known as spooks which is about the british intelligence agent there is an actual mi5 that protects the country uh from uh any kind of political uh or violent harms and you have these people they're spies they're all intermingled no one can speak about what they're doing it's the most riveting thing. And Isn't James actors, Bond MI5? Or my, uh, like, oh, or MI6, the made-up one. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Ask Kate, Kate Wheeler, because her Twitter handle is KateWheeler007. She'll know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But it, everyone you see now in movies and television series from Britain, they're all in this. It's just a, a gem. Anyway, back to love on yeah. Britbox. They have a really a unique collection of romance films that are that they're offering now. Against the Law about homosexuality in Britain, which was illegal until uh, 1952, and you could be executed for it. Um, uh, Brides had revisited the fantastic TV series of, uh, based on the Evelyn Waugh film with Hugh Grant and all kinds of wonderful types. Uh, Christopher and his kind, more of it. 
Cranford, the great uh, Judy Dench stars in... Um, you love her. Yeah. Isn't she the best? She is amazing. The Darling Buds of May has Catherine Zeta-Jones as, like, she looks like 15. And she's I haven't seen so her pretty. in anything in a long time, Catherine Zeta-Jones. She doesn't need to work. Well, really no, but, I mean, she's, yeah. she's great, so it's, it's yeah. nice to see, yeah. see her back. Okay. And Dr. Zhivago, among oh. a whole bunch more. So it's all about love on BritBox. And spies. And sp- love and spies. <laughs> love and spies. All right. Sundance Now's Australian soap series Playing for Keeps is out. Yeah. And do you ever heard, heard of a wag? Do you know what a wag is? No. I don't think okay, so. Okay. It's a term that became popular in Britain with the, with the footy fans, the football fans, soccer fans, the wives and girlfriends of the players who are always dressed to the nines. They're like a whole reality TV bunch of people. And so this takes place in Australia. They're all very high maintenance girls, very wealthy, and they this is what they demand from their marriages to, okay. the, to these guys. Um, but a girl comes in and she's unglamorous. She's very confident of herself. She doesn't like what she sees. So it's a soap opera and it plays out over eight episodes. And one of the players drowns during a training mission on a river. It's kind of fun. It really is. And and, the, <laughs> and you can't put those together. together. I know. So right? drowns. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to trust you on this one. All right. But we have a lot more up on the website. So go to what Lots she said. More. Yeah. What she said. Talk.com with and catch everything from Ann Brody. Uh, what you can't miss this week. Your link to what's happening on the weekend and a great variety of songs. 105.9 The Region, your weekend station. Leslie Hughes is a LinkedIn specialist, a LinkedIn profile writer, and the principal of Punch Media. Leslie has been in the digital landscape for over 20 years and has been called a social media guru by CBC Radio and has also been a guest on CTV's The Social, talking about how to manage your digital identity. She is the author of Create, Connect, Convert, which is designed to help you own your value and build a powerful professional Presence. <laughs> without, a lot of alliteration. Without yeah. feeling like you're bragging. Yeah, that's the key. That would be hard for women, I think. It's for everybody. It's right. really interesting. It's it's something that I've really learned as I've been writing a lot of profiles is that uh, standing in your value and, and, and without most of us are terrified of sort of putting ourselves out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so telling your story without making it sort of come across like braggy. Oh, look at me! Yeah, yeah, and it's not just a. I thought it was a Canadian thing, and I thought it was a female thing, and I realize as I'm writing profiles for people around the world that it's an everybody thing. Do you know that is my hardest uh, thing for me to do? I am comfortable on camera, and I'm comfortable on the radio, uh, but if you ask me to write my bio, yeah, I want to crawl into a hole and yeah. die. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And I've heard this metaphor, which just changed my life, is that when you're inside the jar, you can't see the label. Oh, I love that. I'm going to use that everywhere now. I know. It's so good. (laughs) Because, I mean, we really have a hard time with sort of, again, sort of telling our story without it seeming like, oh, I, you know, look at me, I'm all that, right? Right. So there's a lot of great ways that you can reframe those brags. So um, especially when you're coming from a place of service, those things that you've done, that you, those accomplishments that you've had. In fact, if you're telling people that you're good at what you do, that's, 
they want to work with the person who's the best in class, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, working on LinkedIn is that's the channel where you're supposed to put your accomplishments out there. Right. So you can reframe them by saying, like, I'm really driven to produce these results. I'm really committed to my clients. Um, I'm honored to have been recognized for these awards. So is it better to write your profile in third person or or to say I? I like I better. Okay. Yeah. And the reason for that is the reader. We're writing for the reader and the reader um, to, to make sure that they feel sort of connected with it. And then it, and then you can read. So if you can use a third party in so far as um, my clients or my customers have described me as, and that's a way to sort of include all of your, the nice things that people say about you without you actually saying it yourself. Right. Yeah. So I think LinkedIn is, you know, I just, I've been on LinkedIn for years. Uh, you and I met years ago through Twitter, you know, so I'm on all the social platforms. But I think LinkedIn, I really just got turned on to in the last couple of years. And I'm having regrets that I haven't used it properly because it's a powerhouse. It's Yeah, it's a huge powerhouse. You're not alone. Yeah. It's not the easiest channel to navigate through. In fact, it's really intimidating. I think uh, people are more comfortable with using Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. They're the more fun channels where if somebody makes a mistake, they're like, eh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I can not delete it, but I can always sort of accommodate things afterwards. But because LinkedIn is the professional network, people are wildly intimidated that if they're going to make a mistake or how are people going to perceive me, it's not as friendly. I know LinkedIn tries to make it more friendly. I like it as the business platform, so I don't want it to become the next Facebook. Um, but yeah, it's it, there's still a lot of room for growth. There's 600, I guess, 675 million people on LinkedIn now. Uh, so it's not as wide. It doesn't have the same wide reach as Facebook or Twitter. Well, yeah, Twitter's less. Uh, Facebook or Instagram. Um, but it is really a powerhouse insofar as our professional presence and our network and brand building and all that kind of Well, I think stuff. for a long time I found it like, you know, I was trying to determine if people thought it was a dating app because I would get messages from strange men like, you know, on LinkedIn and I think, why are you sending me a message, right? Yeah. It was clear. Uh, but, you know, the, what I've found recently is that, especially in the business I'm in, that people change jobs a lot. Mm-hmm. And if I go to find them on an email, it bounces back. This person's no longer here. Right. But I can follow them wherever they go on LinkedIn, and, yeah. right? And so it's amazing because you create a connection in one place and then it's, you know, down the road, that connection is something, it's beneficial for you. Absolutely. Right? From that, and, and also from a sales standpoint. So I work a lot with financial advisors as well. Okay. And so for, for me, I help coach them on, okay, so you have a connection connection who was a manager and now they're a director or a director that's moved into VP role or anybody that's in sales. This is a perfect opportunity for you to reconnect with that person and say, hey, let's, you know, let's get together and talk about your, you know, where you're at. Um, you know, if someone's moved into a new role and you're in sales, then that's a perfect opportunity to sort of reconnect with them and see if there's opportunities to work together. So, so resumes are essentially dead? No, they're both, they work sort of hand in hand. Um, okay. The resume is, I, I mean, I don't do resumes, um, but I, I do find that they, they're, the, the resume is a really quick sort of three, I guess it's a three second look uh, that really needs to be condensed into two pages. It's very cold and personal. I like to call resume your, uh, uh, LinkedIn your resume with personality. So you can actually include, as I said, sort of that bio that's written in first person that makes you a little bit more approachable. You could even, um, within the 2000 characters, include what you like to do in your non-working hours. So in my non-working hours, I, there's one of the clients that I worked with who said, um, I'm on 
the hunt for New York City's best burger, which I think oh. is a fun sort of icebreaker to, you know, so, so when someone called him on the phone, they'd be like, so where is New York City's best burger, right? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's much more than that. So they marry together very well together, though. And it's a place to highlight your accomplishments as well, right? So that if you do, for example, have a, uh, you know, you go on the radio show or you're on a TV show, you can add it to your LinkedIn profile, Absolutely. right? So really beef up sort of your expertise in the area. Yeah, why not? I mean, people are looking to work with the best in class. So why wouldn't you put those things out there? And we're so, so many people, in, including the most senior executives that I've ever worked with, are terrified of putting their accomplishments out there. Oh, I was on a team that did this. Or, oh, I just, you know, I don't want people to think I'm bragging about myself. Um, and then the other thing is also use those status updates. So it's a great way for you with the network that you've built to say, hey, listen, I'm doing this or I'm going to be at this conference or, you know, these things that are, can be sort of humble brags in a way. But I sort of hopefully people don't think I'm being a jerk when I say oh, I'm so excited to speak at this conference. It's showcasing my expertise. Again, I'm trying to be of service to other people. Mm-hmm. And then somebody goes, oh, look, Leslie speaks at conferences. And then when they're having one, they reach out to you and ask you to write you. So you're keeping top of mind. You're staying relevant and you're visible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a right? um, there's a quote by um, he's a, a author and, the prof- and a professor at the Wharton School of Business, Jonah Berger, who wrote a book called Contagious. And he says that top of mind is tip of tongue. So I love the alliteration in that. Yeah. And so you do. You definitely want to stay top of mind with your network on what you're doing. And no one else is going to to your own horn for you. We have to do this ourselves. Again, it's not it's not something we've been raised with. We've all been raised to be bashful and mm-hmm. um and sort of downplay our accomplishments because nobody wants to be that that bragging per- the person who's bragging, but these these channels which are kind of cool because we can't we are a brand and we have to think of ourselves as a brand that no one else is going to have to, you know, choose us. We choose us, right? So tell me about your book. You have a book, Create, Connect, Convert. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. So uh, it's kind of in a nutshell, it's what I've been doing for, with clients for years. I'm, I'm shocked that I could put together this much, <clears throat> like this, this many pages. Of course, I like to talk. Um, and so it really uh, boils down to three distinct sort of categories, which is to create a strong first impression. That's where I do the profile writing or help people themselves write their own profiles. Uh, the connect part is how to use the right etiquette to make that, to build up your network to build up your audience. And the convert part is sort of the loose, we were all converting, we're all sales in some way. So whether that's building thought leadership, or actually, if you're looking to convert business, then there's the third step. So those are the three main sort of categories. And there's a workshop like little exercises throughout the book as well to sort of get you to take the initiative to actually make change okay. uh, on your profile and or your brand in general. So people can get the book uh, where? On my site. So okay. on punchmedia.ca forward slash book or on Amazon, they can they can look for the book. Yeah. Okay. So you also offer online courses. I do. Yeah. There's a couple of online courses. One is if someone doesn't want to uh, invest in me writing their profile for them, then they can go on the course and go through all the exercises, very, very similar to the book, but condensed into a 20 minute sort of video and then how to write your own profile based on my tips. And then there's another one specifically for financial advisors. And so that's sort of the niche that I have been working with for the past couple of years. And again, just how do you use those three categories of creating strong first impression, connecting with the right audience, and uh, and then converting them. And connecting with the right audience is so important, too, because you don't want to connect with everyone. You don't want to just willy-nilly connect with everyone around the world. It's finding the right audience. It's connecting strategically with the right people. So do you recommend people unlink from people? Um, Sometimes. I, I 
I don't. I, I've been really, I've cultivated a network based on quality. So I vet every single person that sort of comes through. Um, but I guess there's only been a couple of times that I've un it's not unfriending, right? It's yeah, un- just un- unconnecting. Yeah, yeah, unlinking from someone. And usually it's only if they're spamming me. Mm-hmm. Or I've asked them to stop spamming me, and they're not spamming. <laughs> they continue to do so, um, and that's pretty much it. I only have one other person that I actually had to block. Oh, yeah, that's a crazy story. How I got on the social, actually. Do you want to hear that yeah. crazy story? <laughs> Go ahead, tell me. It's a complete side uh, story. But in 2010, probably around when we met, um, somebody went on to my pro went on to um, uh, a competitor's website and wrote, "Dear Leslie, dear her name is Anne. Dear Anne, you're nothing but a hack and a money grubbing pig." Signed, Leslie Hughes. <gasps> I know. And so within eight hours, uh, basically 40 people had written to say, "Leslie Hughes, you're a horrible human being. I can't believe you could just kiss your mother with that mouth." And so started to fast forward a little bit, um, the person who was, and I use the competitor worm term very loosely because I always feel like we all collaborate with each other. Um, but she was in the competitive landscape. And, um, and so I had a conversation with her. She gave me the IP address because it was posted on the blog, went to the police station, and the person just said he did it for fun. He didn't have anything against me. He, didn't, he just decided to pit two people against each other. So that is a crazy story about how my identity was stolen, which then parlayed wow into yeah so it's it's just insane because a lot of times we can't control our online identity in some ways like for something like that you, right. I couldn't control it all I could do is manage it after the fact Wow, that is crazy. I know, it's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, because I remember going to um, to Blistem and talking to people and saying, "Oh my gosh, what am I what am I going to do about this?" But I, I, what I did was I learned from it and I turned it into an opportunity. Wonderful. So it was devastating at the time because my son, who was three, and he's in preschool, and I thought, like, could this crazy person show up at my kid's school? He's got my, you know, my. Mm-hmm. I know your mommy, your dog. You know, Harley's yeah. in the car. Brady, come with me. And I just was terrified about what could happen from a personal standpoint, and then from a professional standpoint. And I turned it into an opportunity instead of becoming, you know, someone who was sort of licking the wounds about it, helping to empower other people to take charge of their of their, of their online identity. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So where can people go to learn more? Uh, I'm at punchmedia.ca. Okay. Um, and hopefully if they're listening or watching, um, connect with me on LinkedIn. What I One of my major tips there is to send a personalized connection request with every time you want to reach out to someone. Say, hey, I saw you on Candace's show or, hey, we met at a conference or however we met. It's a great way to sort of break the ice. And um, it's just a nice little micro moment to create a new relationship. So yeah. wonderful. Thank you so much for joining Thank us today, Thank you for Leslie. having me today. More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. York Health Matters. York Region is a unique community with unique needs and a unique approach to public health. The fact is, investing in public health and paramedic services saves lives. As your public health workers, we focus on you. We are the front lines providing customized, award-winning care that makes our communities healthier. Contact your MPP today and tell them to continue funding the frontline health services that you deserve. Brought to you by the YorkHealthMatters.ca campaign. 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Join me for The Feed, York Region's only news magazine show, every Saturday morning at 9, Sundays at 5 on 105.9 The Region. Listen live anytime at 1059theregion.com. different I kind of like that you're different 
Joining us now is Ava Skatcha. She's a 14-year-old singer-songwriter from Vaughan, Ontario, and a member of the pop rock group Girl Power, who aim to inspire youth with their songs and social causes. Welcome to the show, Ava. Hi. My, my youngest daughter's name is Ava, so I already have an affinity <laughs> for you because of your name. Okay, Ava, so this is super exciting. Girl Power yeah. has been nominated for a Juno. Yeah. This is huge. How mm-hmm. excited are you? I'm super, super excited. I've never been to the Juno, so it's pretty crazy that I get to go this year. So it's Children's Album of the Year. Yeah. And where were you when you got the news? I was at home and I was like working on an English project and then my mom came into my room and she's like oh um our ma- the like our band's manager was on the phone and she was telling us you guys are nominated for a Juno and I was like are you serious that's <laughs> like, crazy that's so exciting so did you pick out a dress yet it's really hard I'm still looking so oh the yet. pressure <laughs> the pressure and you're gonna have to send us a picture of what you actually yes. took out Okay, so tell me about Girl Power. What message are you and your bandmates trying to get across with your music? Yeah, so in Girl Power, we basically just want to spread a message about positivity, and we just try to inspire other youths to want to pursue their dreams and, you know, like achieve the things that they want to do. Okay, so what are you working on next? Do you have any new music coming up? Yeah, right now I'm working on some new songs, and hopefully I'm going to have an EP coming out soon, so that's pretty exciting. Oh, amazing. Okay, so if people want to find you online, where do they find you? Um, on Instagram, it's at ava.scatcha. So. Okay, and is Girl Power on there as well? Yeah, it's just girl and then pow, but dash r. It's, it's spelled differently. Okay. <laughs> Well, we will put a link up on the video so people can find you there. That's it for what she said. We're going to be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk everywhere and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Singing us out now in our live studio session, here's Ava Skatcha performing. You're different I kinda like that you're different You don't always need a fit in Listen I'm here to tell ya I'm here to tell ya This is The only thing that you're missing Is a reason to give in To the little things That make you who you are Got a couple million questions If you keep on second guessing And checking You won't hear the message Won't hear the message You don't really need a change You don't really need a change And I'm scared and you're nervous And nobody's Kinda like you that way You
think I like you. I 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 think I like you. You.